Today's reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 14 to chapter 3, verse 9. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarrelling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him he must gently instruct, in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People, be, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Yanis and Yambres oppose Moses, so also these men oppose the truth, men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. We are continuing with our Stepping Up series this morning. Claire spoke to us last week about being strong in grace, the grace that is in Jesus. And this week we're going to take a look at some verses that warn us against false teachers and about unhelpful words and attitudes. Paul is writing to Timothy from Rome to give some final instruction and advice to the church in Ephesus. But I think they're words that surely strike a chord with us today. 
we are to put dishonourable desires behind us, check the attitude of our heart and be people of faith who stand up and step up for what is great and good and godly. We should be intentional in having pure words, pure motives and pure hearts. And that's what we're going to be unpacking from our reading this morning. Now, I remember a few years ago before I was married, I was sharing a flat with one of my best friends. Now, I don't get myself into arguments with my friends or people in general uh, very often. uh, But I remember one day my friend and I got into a, a slightly heated disagreement. It was about whether to leave the dinner plates to soak in a bowl of soapy water before washing them up, uh, which was my preference, or to leave them on the side, allowing any food or leftover sauce, etc. to go dry and and crusty and make them harder to wash up, um, which was my friend's opinion. We had opposing thoughts on the matter and it really wasn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things. What we probably should have done is wash up straight away or save up to get a dishwasher. But instead, we disagreed over it. Now, it's not wrong to have a particular preference, but I wonder if it was really worth us getting into an argument about. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, Paul instructs Timothy to keep reminding the people not to argue over unimportant details. Such arguments, he says, have no value and can even be harmful. Even more so, they would be absolute gifts for anyone who might be seeking to cause trouble and spread false ideas about God. Perhaps these false teachers were simply misguided or perhaps they were power hungry and were trying to use the church for their own gain. Whatever the reason, Paul is concerned that those who indulge in such activities will become more and more ungodly. He was concerned that a focus on the trivial and the unimportant would lead to the people neglecting God and ultimately their true purpose and calling. I wonder if in today's context that means allowing Netflix or Twitter to dominate our time and take all our attention instead of making our quiet time reading the Bible a priority. Or I wonder if allowing ourselves to get caught up in unhelpful talk pulls us away from spending time talking to God. And I wonder if we're not gaining ground for the kingdom of God, if we're not glorifying him and lifting his name high, honouring those in front of us. Maybe we're gaining ground just to gain ground and win an argument. We should absolutely work through disagreements and differences carefully and graciously, but not at the expense of others or at the expense of what God is calling us to do. And there's always going to be a vast number of things competing for our fairly limited attention. And the enemy would like nothing more than to see us give in to those distractions and be ineffective or perhaps worse, passive followers of Jesus. So I don't know about you, but I know I need constant reminders that God has placed his Holy Spirit within me and has equipped me for every good work. And I daily need to choose participation over passivity 
and determination over distraction. I love this quote by the Christian author Jill Briscoe. She says, be encouraged to be an encourager. It's a spiritual art that everyone can learn and you mostly learn by practising it. I remember one of the simplest and best pieces of advice that my wife and I were given and that was to be kind to one another and that kindness manifests itself in words as well as actions. Don't assume someone knows how much you appreciate them. Tell them. Why not practice being an encourager today? Goodness knows we need kindness in our world now it seems more than ever. Let's actively seek to build one another up with words of hope and encouragement. Let's use pure words, words to inspire, to cheer one another on, to support one another and to motivate one another. So let's now look at the idea of pure motives. In verse 22, Paul encourages us to flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace. The message paraphrase puts it like this, run away from infantile indulgence and run after mature righteousness. Maybe to some of us that sounds quite easy. I'm sure we'd all agree it's a sensible thing to do and something we'd all want to put high on our list of priorities. Running away is sometimes considered cowardly and who wants to be a coward, right? But the wise thing in being able to cultivate pure motives might mean physically removing yourself from a particular temptation. That might just be the most courageous course of action you can take, because knowing when to run is as important in a spiritual sense as knowing when to fight. Paul is encouraging Timothy and us to remove or run away from anything that isn't of God and might cause us to say or to do the wrong thing. We're to actively pursue righteousness and honourable motives by steering clear of things that might tempt us towards an alternative path. Now, hang on a minute, you might say, how can we ever have pure motives? Isn't there always going to be some part of us that may be acting a little selfishly? Well, the American theologian and author Timothy Keller would agree. He says, if you wait until your motives are pure and unselfish before you do something, you will wait forever. Why we do something might often have mixed motivations if we're honest with ourselves. But we owe God our entire lives and he chooses to use us for his purposes. So you know what? Sometimes we've got to get on and do it anyway, trusting that he will use us, faults and failures included, to accomplish great things for his kingdom. If we come to him in humble and honest prayer with hearts that are open, he will meet with us and pour his Holy Spirit into us to make us more like him. Paul offers us encouragement and advice here at the end of chapter two. He tells Timothy that as he teaches God's truth, he should be kind and gentle and to patiently explain the truth and never to promote quarrelling or foolish arguments. So whether you're teaching a children's group, 
leading a Bible study, preaching in church, chatting to parents at the school gate or over Zoom, answering questions from family members or the person in front of you at the supermarket. Listen to them, really listen to them and, and see them where they are, answering their questions with kindness and grace. You may be the only Christian they've met for a very long time or even ever. And so why not be the best Christian that they've ever met? So we've thought a little about being intentional with our words and pursuing pure and honest motives. But arguably, our heart is the compass that decides the direction and maintains the health of both of those. Paul, however, strikes a note of urgency at the beginning of chapter three. There will be terrible times in the last days, he says. People will be selfish, proud, slanderous, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, amongst so many other deeply unpleasant things. They may have the appearance of being godly, but they're not. The outward appearance may be one of godliness, but God knows their heart. And the last days began when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers at Pentecost and they will continue until Jesus comes back. That means we're living in the last days right now. And that means that we need to make the most of the precious time that God has so graciously given us and discern not only where God wants us to be, but how we can protect ourselves from being led away from the safety and strength of his loving presence. A few years before Paul wrote this letter, he encouraged the Ephesians to make the most of every opportunity. And he's reminding them, them of that once again. We're to do good wherever and whenever we can. We're all fairly restricted as to what we can do at the moment. But why not use your mobile phone to actually make a voice call to someone? Why not rediscover, as I have, stamps and write an encouraging note or letter? Why not show your friends, your classmates, your neighbours that the church has left the building and is coming out to meet them where they are, to love and care for them right in the thick of it? Don't settle for comfort. Pursue Christ and all he has for you. All he wants to do in you and through you in these last days. Pursue Christ and you will find him. That's his promise to each one of us. When times are tough, like they are now, we can be tempted to batten down the hatches and shut the world away. And of course, there may be legitimate and right reasons not to physically be with others right now. But we can still show people that we care that God cares about them because he cares about us, then it means we might have to be vulnerable with God. It means things might get a little inconvenient from time to time. It means there might be a cost for us to bear, particularly if the care and the love that we show others isn't shown back to us. Demonstrating in a practical way God's love for others 
who maybe haven't experienced it is why we run and get involved with initiatives such as the Winchester Job Club, the, the Basics Bank, and why we're looking to meet the needs of struggling families more than ever in 2021. It, it shows that the church isn't bound by its brick walls and it meets people in the mess and the difficulty of their lives. It's why we run things like Alpha, because we want to show people that there is a God who loves them, despite what the world and their current circumstances might suggest. It's why as a church we run courses like Discipleship Explored, because we're passionate about people knowing their true worth in Christ Jesus and helping them to be the most effective followers of his that they can be, enabling them to step up safe and secure in the knowledge that Jesus has equipped them, equipped you for all that he has for you. Church has your back. You can live each day not in your own strength, but in the abundant and never-ending strength of his grace. Amen.